Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. And with you in the studio tonight, it's me, Bonnie. Riley. And Nikki. First story I brought in is from apnews.com. And the title is, Please Regulate AI. Artists push for U.S. copyright reforms, but tech industry says not so fast. So I titled the show, Dirty Hippies Call for AI (laughs) Regulations. (laughs) I did, copyright is just such a strange thing. You know, it kind of is, but yeah. a lot of people swear by it. A lot of people want their work copywritten. But it's it's interesting from a libertarian perspective that you know Ian sh- says on the show frequently that you can't you can't uh, you can't copyright an idea or you can't protect an idea. It's impossible. Yeah, ideas know? are just ideas, and so when you think about copyright, it's just interesting how we think that we can just. Say, well, this idea is mine and no one else can have it. If the human race, you know, got wiped off the earth and then a new race of humans sprung up from, you know, evolution or whatever, and they came up with the same ideas that some other humans had come up with before, it wouldn't take anything away from those people. But also, like, that would just be a natural occurrence, right? Yeah. You know, like, you can assume. And I I think this a lot where, like, I'll either be having a thought or I'll have an idea or I'll do something and I'm like I bet there is there has to be someone else in the world or maybe hundreds of people that are doing the same thing or had the same thought or yeah. like had the same idea so I might think that my idea is unique relatively so but there had like there's no way I'm the only or first person to come up with this thing right and you know I'm I have the same thing where I think of an idea and all of a sudden someone else has the idea and they just get to it first or whatever and yeah. it's just the way it is timeliness really yeah one thing i heard that makes a lot of sense to me is that the mouth of god is the mind of people and if god has a thing he wants someone to do he's going to give them that idea you'll feel like it's your idea but if you don't take it he might go give it to someone else if you don't act on it so really that's god's uh copyright (laughs) (laughs) and the other thing about it is i just find it weird when people call it like actual theft it's not theft if you don't lose anything yeah. yeah, or like intellectual property. It's just, it seems like that's not, like how is does intellectual property even exist? It's funny you because- know, it doesn't make sense. The people who believe in intellectual property the most usually are less likely to understand their entire lives based on property rights, like actual property. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you can't, if you, if you understand property rights, then you would have to realize that intellectual property is not, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, there's this um, scandal in pop music. There's an artist I like named Marina and the Diamonds. I guess she just goes by Marina now. And there's this other artist I like named Charlie XCX. And one day, this was like, I don't know, 2015 or something. Like, this was a while ago. One day, Charlie posted a... They're both from the UK, and they're both pop stars, like, with similar fans and music. And one day, Charlie posted a photo shoot... It was like neon colors and maybe like fruit in the background. And Marina, which was just totally jumping the gun and kind of disappointing, commented, wow, that fruit looks familiar, dot, dot, dot. And then went and posted on Twitter, like, copying an artist's intellectual property is literally theft. No, that's... Please respect fellow artists. First of all, not literally theft. Yeah. Second of all... Marina, it was Marina that was telling her that she was stealing, stealing her, her property. Okay, 
you are not the first person to do a photo shoot with fruit. Yeah. Right. And so it's just interesting that they think that, you know, their 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 property is stolen, but they're not they're not losing money, are they? They're probably not losing absolutely anything. Well, and it's like you can't have a monopoly on like photo shoots with fruit. Yeah. That's crazy. And you know, so many people before you have done a photo shoot with fruit. Yep. And it's not an entirely unique thing. Yeah. And what turned out happening, it's so embarrassing for Marina, to be honest. Um, What turned out to be the case, Charlie came out to defend herself and she was like, I wasn't trying to do anything. I did look at the pictures Marina was referring to. And unfortunately, they do kind of look similar. But I was working with this photo photographer and it's the same one that Marina had worked with. And they kind of take a creative direction. Yeah. So it sounds like it's his. Yeah. You know, that's like his style. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with the actual like. Photographer, Photographer, you know, and that's just so embarrassing. I I just always think it is. Yeah, that makes her it makes her look really it it just doesn't make her look good. Yeah. You know, and we see this with artists a lot, particularly like, you know, music artists. This article from the AP says, please regulate AI. Artists push for U.S. copyright reforms, but tech industry says not so fast. And it's by Matt O'Brien. It says country singers, romance novelists. Uh, that's funny. I seriously didn't. I I might have read this the other day when I pulled this up, but I I don't know why. When you were saying about authors, Riley, I was like, yeah, romance novelists. That's like the same stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, it really it is. is. Yeah. It's very similar story, <laughs> and of course. But, but clearly, I mean, that is such a popular genre oh, of music. For sure. I mean, of music, of of books. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Is. Of literature. But they're so all clearly, similar stories. They are. No, it's it's complete crap. I mean, if you like, I mean, in my opinion, yeah. but clearly in a ton of other, you know, women's opinions, they love that. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's the same book over and over again. They want the smut aspect of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have never been into romance novels, but just I follow this one girl on YouTube and she is more like like sharing like her life with you. But she'll always tell you like what she's listening to and talk about it for a while. And I'm like, I first of all, it all sounds the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, I just can't even I just can't put myself in the position to want to listen to that. But yes, there are tons and tons of people here talking about um, like what's her name? So, something Hoover, Colleen Hoover. She writes like romance novels and Mm -hmm. they all sound similar and they're crazy popular yeah this is country singers romance novelists video game artists and voice actors are appealing to the u.s government for relief as soon as possible from the threat that artificial intelligence poses to their livelihoods please regulate ai i'm scared wrote a podcaster Concerned about his voice being replicated by AI in one of thousands of letters recently submitted to the U.S. Copyright Office. That's just a I mean, it's inevitable. Quote. Your voice is going to be replicated. I mean, think about Free Talk Live. Yeah. This show has been on for 20, 22 years, 21 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, Ian's voice will be replicated. Mark's voice will be replicated. You know, some of the host's voice will be replicated. It's just going to happen. And it's just like, if you can't compete with an ai podcast like i've listened to some of them have come out and they're just total crap in my opinion ian's always like it's so impressive yeah it's impressive that a robot did that but it's not like oh let's listen to this but a a human being creating that is still more yeah Yeah, it's still better humans Humans are going to provide more of an authentic touch to things and maybe that's how we'll compete in the market is we'll provide an authentic touch instead of just regurgitating 
interesting conversation. It's like, why do you care what a robot pretends to think about a thing? If you're know, interested yeah. <laughs> in listening to like somebody's like political opinions, the robot's opinions are. I I feel like it's not important, but well, and right. So we're going back to like unique uniqueness, right? So if like basically what an AI does is it collects a bunch of data from like the internet or wherever, like you feed it data and then it creates a thing. But if you have a genuinely unique thought or if you're genuinely like doing something different, AI can't come up with that because they they don't have access to that yet. They can copy also- you after the fact. Yep. But let's also think about the fact that he's a podcaster. Like how many yeah. podcasts are on the internet? Like yeah. the idea that they're specifically want, gonna want to make your voice doing a podcast when they can just make up a new voice or yeah. just you know, use Joe Rogan's voice. Well, for all I know it is Joe Rogan, but I doubt he's writing them saying, Please regulate AI, I'm scared. I don't yeah, think I don't Joe think Joe Rogan's scared. <laughs> I don't think Joe Rogan would be Care. I think he'd be more curious if anything, really. Yeah, I mean, and the thing with Joe Rogan is, right, he has literally the most popular podcast in the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does. So I doubt he's scared of it. You know what right. I mean? Like, he's not afraid of competition. How many podcasts are there? Like, millions? And Joe Rogan is the best. Yeah. So, know you know what I mean? Afraid of competition. Like, I don't listen to him or anything like that. I, I don't know, but I, I doubt he would be, considering he has been, like, the number one podcast for years i just doubt he would be and there's scared, millions like, of other podcasts you know what i mean like clearly right. in the market he's he's currently winning and he <laughs> has already made so much money he could just stop right now yeah but some so that just means that some random podcaster wrote the u.s copyright office saying he's scared it's like your podcast could just start failing at any moment like yes you could say something that someone doesn't like, and they're like, cancel this, dude. It's yeah, crazy. cancel culture, right? Yeah. You don't have some kind of right to not have your podcast fail. Like, that's well, ridiculous. No, and this is the thing, too. Like, well, what we were literally just talking about, like, in the market, it's like your business could fail for any reason, and you can't necessarily blame that on AI or on, you know, China knockoffs. Unscreened caller, what's your name and what's on your mind? Yeah, this is Ed in Utah. I've talked to you before, Bonnie. Hey. Um, yeah. Uh, in case you uh, didn't remember, folks, and that's a lot of people, not just the younger generation, today is the 60th anniversary of the killing of John F. Oh, Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. Or did- oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I'm telling you, in, the, uh, in my younger years and years back in the 70s, uh, even in the 60s, of course, right through the 90s, Every, you know, major hurdle of that, like a milestone, 35, 30 years, 40 years of the JFK, it was always marked, always talked about. This was a very big thing for those of us alive during the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And so the reason I called uh, about this, uh, have anyone of you heard of the book Final Judgment by Michael Collins Piper? No. I have not. Okay. That book came out in 97. Those of us who have read it have said it's the last word on the JFK. Of course, you're going to have a lot of people saying, oh, well, there's Jim Mars, there's this, there's that. Yeah, a lot of contributors. All good. But most people in my generation remember Mark Lane. Maybe you've come across him. Very famous author and attorney. Uh, very involved politically, this man. Mark Lane wrote Rush to Judgment, the first groundbreaking book on the JFK assassination. And he's the one that uh, nailed 
the Warren Commission. However, he didn't have a conclusion, a final conclusion on, quote, who did it. But when Michael Collins Piper came out with final judgment in 1997, the great Mark Lane said, Michael Piper has pinned the tail on the donkey. So any of you listeners that want to talk about the uh, JFK assassination and those in the CIA specifically, not just, oh, the CIA killed him, or uh, 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 Lyndon Baines Johnson, who obviously had a cover-up role, but he did not kill John F. Kennedy. The JFK assassination was the work of magicians, obviously, that we're still talking about it years later. But I, t- I will make a challenge to any one of you. You read Final Judgment, you will, you will believe, like me, that that's the final word on the JFK chapter. That's really interesting. Thank you for the recommendation. Um, it's kind of Thank funny you. Uh, that you bring this up today and that it was this date. And I did know that but didn't think about it all day because today I thought about the fact that I was like, they could, they, those and them, they could kill Javier Malay just to scare people out of being libertarians and getting mm-hmm. into power. And then I thought, wait, that would be kind of like a killing of a king ritual. And he goes by the king of the jungle. So if they yeah. did that, I bet that's what they're going to do. And they always yeah. bring up um, JFK in, um, you know, conspiracy or, uh, websites and stuff. We'll call it a killing of a king, which is allegedly a Masonic ritual. But they do a real blood sacrifice one when they kill people like Kennedy and Abraham Lincoln, like people who are incredibly popular. And I don't exactly know how to explain why they do it or anything. It's just a conspiracy and it seems to happen a lot. And it's always like people that are really popular and it's like, Oh, it's so sad that he got killed and it brings a chilling effect. And it's usually somebody who is going to do something good. Like they say about JFK. Mm -hmm. I can't really say the same about Abraham Lincoln. But I don't know, that just popped in my head today. I was like, it could be a killing of the king ritual. And then I was like, wait, he goes by king of the jungle. I that would that be that would be a little scary for sure. And I think it's interesting that you know, we, we're talking about this now. I'm pretty sure that Lee Harvey Oswald did not assassinate JFK. Right. Definitely patsy. definitely a patsy, definitely a cover-up story. I mean, the, the U.S. government has done things like MK Ultra and mind control experiments for years. And so... JFK's assassination was definitely a patsy. I mean, I think the same thing about John Lennon. So you have these figures Mm -hmm. that are either promoting peace or they're promoting some sort of like um, alternate agenda, right? Like, I don't think for... I mean... I'm I'm sure that um who was it Mark David Chapman or whoever you know assassinated um or killed uh, John Lennon. I mean I'm sure he was either put up to it or you know like Riley mentioned MK Ultra. Like you can brainwash people to do stuff like this. I mean who knows? He was doing such weird crap. Like he was more than schizophrenic. He was a total freaking weirdo, according to his ex-wife. The only book I've ever read about it was actually a book that's making the argument that JFK sold his soul to the devil right before the Beatles, like, popped off, which he doesn't make an amazing point, but it's a really interesting book. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. And I can't remember what's called off the top of my head. I've read it, like, twice, and the Lee Harvey Oswald stuff is all, like, you know, facts about him, and it's totally freaking weird. Like, if he was MKUltered, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Ricky from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What's on your mind, Ricky? Thank you there, Miss Bonnie. Sister Nikki, Brother Riley, good evening. Good evening. No doubt. Well, I've been sitting here listening to you here talking about the copyright laws. I just want to touch on a few things. Two of my favorite artists. We're going to start with the Beatles first. John Lennon said, 
music belongs to everyone. Producers just think they own it. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's the the first one. Now, here's another. This is my number two, Buddy Holly. There are two recordings available that he called Decca. There were a total of three. You can find them in bootleg form. And it shows how smart Buddy was, but also the the two calls were, like, really sad because he was totally screwed. You know, and it just shows what happened. So many artists. I mean, everybody from Little Richard mm-hmm. uh, to everybody. Everybody in the 50s got railed, you know. And now, today, it's funny because people like me and so many others that have been part of the sharing community throughout the years, we're considered criminals. Now, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you mean, sharing for sharing what? Sharing music. Oh, you yeah, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't say you're criminals, well, well, yeah, but, but the musicians are going to... We're not getting any money for it. The musicians we're are going to claim for criminals. Money. We're just sharing like people always have. Like Michael Moore said when he released Fahrenheit 9-11. He said anybody can share that in any way they wish, including it was in theaters. Mm-hmm. And you know what? He says, I ain't hurting because sharing's what people always done. He got in a lot of trouble for that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it's like, um, you know, you used to burn CDs and, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to make this mixtape for my crush, you know, stuff like that. I mean, like, that's kind of, I mean, people have been doing this for a long time. And now, um, you know, like through digital files, it's just easier for people to share music and movies and, you know, like all sorts of stuff. And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. I do believe it is, you know, technically against the law in certain cases, depending on how you do it. I just didn't know that pirating actually meant like making money off of it. I just was saying, you know, like the act of torrenting. Well, right. So so the people who are uploading the files, either they get paid to, I guess, or they do it for free or they are accepting donations. Hmm. But it also is illegal to like, even if you're not making money off of it, like if I were to send you a torrent, I'm, I'm like, I think even just the act of downloading well, it I never used onto that. your advice. I never used that, so I never, but I did want to say one more important thing before we go on. The good news is, and I wish Buddy, the Beatles, and so many others had something called streaming. Because, you know, finally artists are now able to get their share and they're not really able to screw them anymore. Um, for you know? streaming? Yeah, because the deal's made. And you get so much. And the thing is, at least you're getting your money, you know. Maybe, yeah. you're not, maybe it ain't like per copy and all that stuff like it should be. But you're getting your money at least up front for streaming on a service. And it's a lot more fair than it used to be when producers just took your songs that you wrote like John Lennon did or Buddy Holly did. Honestly, I'm not a tech person. I probably wouldn't even like try to figure out how to use AI. Um but just because of that doesn't mean I would want to, like, hinder everyone else. Yeah, especially you since one mean? day there will be AI things that are so easy to use. I mean, there's already yeah. things... I mean, they are already pretty user-friendly, a lot of them, but yeah. I'm not interested in that. Yeah, so, even if you don't I mean, need it, it's yeah. just silly to act like you can't benefit from it. Like, you'll benefit from it in some way, like, yeah. in the next few years. It's also, even if... Even if I wouldn't benefit from it, I think it would be selfish for me to say, like, no one else should be able to use this technology. It'd be evil. Stupid. People can't make money who want to make more money than they have now to survive because, well, well, I want to make $1,000 every taxi-shaped purse that I make. And that's not, like, I... Is that a real example that you're using? It was... 
something else that was um, a, a shape of a purse that was really weird, and I can't remember what it was. It wasn't a taxi, but it was kind of cool, and this guy made it, and then he was like, um, actually, oh, wait, I- I'm actually using a bad example because his whole thing was like, yes, I made this, and yes, people are going to start copying it, but the thing about it is I don't want them to stop um, making it because every time it um, one of mine sells, it's something that's handmade, and... I, I sell it for this much, and I'm not going to make them forever, so I don't care if people copy me. So that's a yeah. bad example, but it's what keeps popping into my head. And it might have not been a taxi. I, I don't remember now. It was something really cool like A that. unique, yeah. And it, it was a little, like, handbag. You just opened up this item, but it was actually a bag. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, something that's... I'm just using it as an example as something that, like, you think that no one else could ever create, but somebody else might literally think of that idea or... They just see your idea and they copy it because they can make it way cheaper with their um, factory that they put up the capital to make. Like, but I'm Bonnie, sorry they did. But Bonnie, here's the problem we have with AI. It's going to take over the world and, and demolish governments and demolish uh, demolish society. Cool. I would love if it demolished governments. But I feel like it's not going to do that because they're going to yeah, work I think together. The, I think the AI and government will work hand in hand together and make the government more tyrannical. I mean, Great. think about the Soviet Union and how tyrannical that was. It's going to be more tyrannical with AI in charge. If these people get their way and get the copyright office to make um, the, their suggestion and then regulate AI really hard um, in the United States, all it's going to do is make it less easy for poorer and m- less influential people to use AI. But the yeah. people high up are going to still be able to use well, it. Well, yeah. exactly. So, like, it's only going to be used for government purposes or for like people like Elon Musk yeah. who can afford the patents or whatever you're going to need. So, like, this is what happens when we regulate stuff so strictly. It's like, People are like, no, you know, I because of copyright and because I'm scared and all this stuff, it's going to take over the world. But really, we already have these entities that have already taken over the world, mm-hmm. and you're worried about AI? Yeah. Like, seriously? We have it's an like, organization right now occupying soil here in the yeah. geographical polygon land we call the United States, and they're already tyrannical. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I, I just find it hilarious that somebody, a podcaster, literally wrote to the copyright office and said, please regulate AI. I'm scared. It's yeah. just I'm crazy. I'm so scared. AI is scaring me. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> silly. It is a little silly, isn't it? It says, so we, in the last segment, we were talking about what the artists are saying. And it says that um, an actor and filmmaker, Justine Bateman from Family Ties, which I've never seen. I don't know who she is. Said she was disturbed that AI models were ingesting hundreds of years of film and TV in a way that could destroy the structure of the film business and replace large portions of its labor pipeline. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to, it's impossible to destroy that. And I could totally see, um, like these, uh, movie producers and stuff like that using AI to their advantage. Yeah. to further develop i mean think of like cgi and like all of these like special effects and stuff like watch movies from the 80s the special effects sucked you know mm-hmm. like they were not very good at all and then look at present day movies it is amazing the things that they can do with this software and with these like video editing techniques that they're using i mean it's like 
so, so insane, the things that they are capable of doing using this sort of technology. And I could only see AI contributing to that in a positive way. Like, I don't see how that would be, you know, like a, like a bad thing. It's like people can make films cheaper if instead of having 20 people coming up with ideas in a writing room, you have like one person in an AI. It's like I don't think there will ever be zero people because of the fact that AI can, um, you know, crap out some stuff that really sucks. Well, yeah. And I and I also think like there's always going to be actors, you know, yeah. like there's always going to be actors. There's always going to be producers. They just want like 20 of each like department I mean yeah I mean like possibly I mean we have no clue what the result of this is going to be but I would if they're using this AI technology like I wouldn't think it would be to like completely like wipe everything out and like only use AI like that just sounds ridiculous like you wouldn't be able to form an entire really good movie only using AI maybe especially if it's a cartoon or something like that like maybe you would be able to She goes on. She says, it appears to many of us to be the largest copyright violation in the history of the United States. I sincerely hope you can stop this practice of thievery. Airing some of the same AI concerns that fueled this year's Hollywood strikes, television showrunner Lilia Zuckerman says of Poker Face, which all I know called that is the Lady Gaga song, so I don't know what that is said her industry should declare war on what is nothing more than a plagiarism machine. Before Hollywood is... Oh, the whore, a plagiarism machine. (laughs) It says before Hollywood is co-opted by greedy and craven companies who want to take human talent out of entertainment. Which is kind of silly because, like, no one ever said that. It's like Nikki said, like, there will still need to be humans acting in these movies. And like I said... Just because there are probably going to be fewer humans necessary to the making of a movie now doesn't mean there will be zero. Like if people love the human element, and definitely when art when artificial intelligence or AI becomes more relevant in society, people will still want that human human element. Yeah, people will still want to hear a live musician. Like this is so relevant when. All day I've been thinking about this artist named Tate McRae, and I don't like her because she's a pop singer, and there's this song that I keep hearing everywhere um, called Greedy by her. And I looked it up just because I was like, that doesn't even sound like a human. Like, it's like extremely, um, you know, what's the word? Um, uh, auto-tuned. Yeah. Like, in a, to a point I, I didn't even think it was in fashion anymore. Huh. And, um... Not only that, but I watched her music video for it. I just wanted to see who she was. And she just has, like, no personality. I watched an interview of her. She has no personality. She's extremely popular right now. You know that she was just propped up by, you know, her record label who decided to make a pop star. And it's like, I love pop music. It's not all pop music. It has no soul or anything. But it's obvious to me when there's a new person that comes out and their pop music has no soul. And the thing about it is I... It can be the best song in the world. It's not that it's like a really bad song or anything. It could be the best song in the world. And I will still not listen to it if you can't sell me the personality. Like, that's a huge thing for pop music. I don't know about really as much other genres. Like, people care about the pop music of their other, like, bands or whatever. I mean, the personality of their bands as much. Uh, I don't know. But it's a huge thing in pop music. And it annoys me that people will just, like consume her music because they heard it on tiktok and want to be pop they want to be popular because they listen to tate mccray like everyone else instead of you know she's not likable she's just not but 
um, she'll probably be popular for a while, but she won't be, you know, like, she'll never be Britney Spears because people Swift. love her. Yeah. I hate Taylor Swift. <laughs> and a t- Taylor Swift is a similar thing, but still, honestly, not as bad as this chick I'm, yeah, but I'm talking I, about. I also feel like Taylor Swift fans are, like, obsessed with her, so she oh, must be doing something, right? Yeah. Like, they're obsessed well, with her personality and whatever. Because they're told to. They're, she literally is, like, the algorithm tells people what to think. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, yeah. People are making money off of people... Being obsessed with Taylor yeah. Swift. She her, has not made a better song since Love Story. And she's gotten nothing but more popular since then. Yeah, I mean, like, I why? don't even really enjoy that kind of music. So I can't really comment on Taylor Swift too much. But um, but I, I do. I The thing I respect about her is the fact that she controls. Mo- like she manages her own stuff. And mm-hmm. she controls most of like the creation of her own music. And like business wise, I think she... That's definitely she's, respectable. She, that's the, yeah, like she's know, like story. a real she's a real person, right? It's it it seems like even if people are just because I, I don't know, really buy it. I don't buy that whole story. Like, oh, no really? one ever writes any songs with her. Well, first of all, her songs suck. So, like, okay, you write bad music, but good but for aside you. from that, I mean, she like she manages her. Like, yeah, no she, one manages themselves. But, so you she know got what I mean? already very famous and rich, and then got in a better contract than she had before. It's like that's yeah. not that you know special to me it's like it's not like you've but been no doing one else is really beginning. doing that though so it kind of is if they can they are but it's like yeah did they get as famous as taylor swift already was with her record label and then do it no they're probably just like still soundcloud rappers or whatever because they didn't already get propped up yeah that's well, the thing about it. it's like it's not as like impressive as if like she had just come up from the bushes so i basically my point was i don't like that genre of music at all i think it's all crap but I think like her her business the business side of it for her at least I thought was like probably her only redeeming quality. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know? Exactly, it's a in an industry move. where like no one else is doing that, and they're all kind of you know what I mean. It just seems like a I lot of a lot of pop musicians are are catering are owned by the man, so to speak. They they all claim they they don't like big government, and yet they're all owned by the man. I feel like none of them claim that they don't like big government. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah, I feel like they don't really comment well, on that. They they claim they don't like the man, the rich man, the, the greedy rich man. And that's definitely a good point. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. We have Dave Ridley here of Dave I mean sorry no it's ridleyreport.com the other day the captain said daveridley.com <laughs> um what's on your mind Ridley? Yeah, uh uh actually for once I have something to talk about that's not New Hampshire but it's <gasps> related to New Hampshire because it's a Mark Edge thing oh okay. oh what is it so apparently uh the 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 the, the authoritarian press has vindicated Mark Edge's arguments by writing an a hit piece Against Mark's pet project. Really? Mm. The AP said. So this is this is the Zetas or the Special Economic Zones yeah. in Honduras. Oh and, wow! Uh, so they're so, they're doing a hit piece on them already. 
yeah, there's a publication in the UK that's losing its mind because there might be, you know, a, a few square miles of freedom on Roatan Island. <laughs> oh, how horrible. Mm. How horrible. Uh, we can't have freedom. So, is Roatan you, the one with Prospera on it? Well, yeah, Prospera is connected to Roatan. I don't know where Utila is, actually. I haven't been following this that closely. You know, I was kind of skeptical. You know, Mark keeps talking about this, and I wasn't paying much attention, but... No, nothing gets nothing gets me on Mark's side like having the media denounce him, right? Yeah, exactly. So what they said in this article was, quote, if, if special economic zones could be established all over the world, complete with low taxes and corporate-friendly regulation, investment could be sucked out of social democratic states and into these free market paradises. <laughs> wow, you don't say. It's almost like that's it, more appealing to the majority like, of people. It's almost like people like free markets and free minds and freedom. Huh. <laughs> Who would have thought? The other quote that, that, that I loved was this quote. Senator Elizabeth Warren and 33 other Democrat representatives wrote a letter denouncing, unquote, Wow, she's wow. after yeah. anything that Ian and Mark like. That's crazy. She's after crypto too. Um, so again, this is not all Mark, but he's just you know he's just yeah. part of it. Uh, but Prospera is something you know that we you know uh, you know it's it popped up on my radar a few times, and Mark has talked about it quite a bit. And it, it has some history. Roatan Island really does go back you know decades. It's a it's a successful place in a hellhole, and it has been for decades. You know, a lot of expats there. They they uh, bring bring their money there for you know a, a place where it will where it will go further, uh, but Honduras is just it, it, what have they got to lose? It is such a nightmare. What have they got to lose by having an area you know a few square miles here and there where there's no not as much crime and and there's a little bit more prosperity? I just don't understand the the, the capacity for people to to try and say no to the wind. And it's crazy because, um, as Mark Edge will tell you, like people who are from Honduras who go to the Zetes to work, um, and it seems like cheap to the expats that are employing them, they're like, wow, this is amazing for, you know, the Hondurans that get these opportunities to work at these places because they're making way more money than they could just like, you know, doing whatever they'd be doing in Honduras otherwise. And the economy is going to flourish because there's a lot right. more freedom. It's nothing but good for the people who live there. Now, there is, uh, so I guess I should, I've kind of buried the lead here. The reason they did a story on this is because, so the, um, the Prospera organization and or Peter Thiel, a former PayPal fame, I guess they're suing an international court because the Honduran government is trying to renege on the previous agreements, you know, that were signed by a previous Honduras, Honduras government. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the lawsuit is what is what has triggered this, this media coverage. Um, and also, and here's where the, here's where the, the, the authoritarian, this authoritarian press, the uh, article where it does, uh, I, you know, you think you want to listen to your enemies and, and see if they're ever right. And they could be, they do, they are on, they do raise one legitimate concern. And that is that the Zetas were, I think the Zetas were uh, signed into law during uh, a Honduran administration that came to power in a military coup backed by the United States. So hmm. that government that signed that agreement wasn't super legitimate. Uh, so that that I can see I can see kind of where they're coming from and in that sense does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, you know, 
there's there's still freedom in these ZAs, so why worry about it? Yeah, I mean, if, if it's work, if it worky, no fixie. And there's not somebody, you know, like trying to take over all of Honduras or any other country. Yeah, it seems like these people are kind of just trying to like exist and mind their own business, right? Or like the businesses that are there. I think that the only reason that we could continue get to get here or to continue to go this direction where people believe that they need the government is from school. Like, that's why mm-hmm. I brought that up, that in school they always paint themselves that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in public school, at least they, they want you to think that you need them. You got to pledge allegiance to a piece of cloth every day. Yeah. The yeah. Um, flag of the United States of America Corporation. So creepy. I yeah. bring it up because Nikki brought in an article um, that's saying apparently homeschooling is becoming much more popular. Yeah, so this is actually from Reason. Oh. Homeschooling has increased by over 50% since 2018. In some states, homeschooling has climbed by over 100%. Whoa. Wow. Homeschooling has ballooned since the advent of the pandemic, growing by more than 100% in some states, according to new data from the Washington Post. While the number of children being homeschooled has declined slightly from its pandemic-era peak, the growth in the education, the educational option has proven s- stable and dramatic. The Post collected data from 32 states as well as the District of Columbia in 7,000 school districts, a data set comprising around two-thirds of, a nation's, of the nation's school children. Nationally, since, 2017, since the 2017-2018 school year, Homeschooling has increased by 51%, Hmm. while private schooling has only increased by 7%. So this is, not only are people taking their kids out of public school, is that they're opting for homeschooling over private schooling. So, which which I think is huge because, yes, I'm mainly against public government indoctrination centers for children, um, but I also think it's really powerful to bring children back into the home and to restore that connection of the family, like between parents and children. I think so too. Yeah, I think and that's very powerful. I think that's very important. But, you know, there is that concern that, you know, culty institutions can indoctrinate their children, except it's already happening with the so called government. Yeah. Yep. So, based on the available data, the Post estimated that there are now between 1.9 and 2.7 million homeschooled children in the United States. But many states and districts saw truly staggering growth in their homeschooling population. Notably, many of these places had schools that were closed the longest during the pandemic. I'm going to go right into your phone calls and thoughts. We have Creighton on the line in Kentucky. Creighton, what's on your mind? Hi, I wanted to call in because I I learned today that uh, uh, Gert Weidler, one of the uh, politicians, and in the Netherlands, just won in a vote in the Netherlands to be the Dutch prime minister. And who's he? Um, well, he is the leader of a so-called conservative party. Mm. Um, it, the name of it, I can't pronounce, but it translates as Freedom Party. And uh, as you can imagine, anything like that would be considered very far right from the European perspective. But yeah. Uh, I find it most telling that in addition to what happened on Sunday with the the guy in Argentina winning the presidency down there. Yeah, Javier uh, Malay. Yes. 
I can't even pronounce I can't pronounce that very well either. <laughs> um, but I looked into it and I was like, "What's going on here? It just seems kind of strange all of a sudden." And I realized that both of these countries banned the use of electronic voting machines hmm. and strongly suppresses any kind of voting that does not involve a wow. human being in person. Interesting. Wow. That is interesting. I mean, I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, I don't either. <laughs> that that seems like it, it's cause and effect there. But uh, Was this um, recent that they got banned? I, honestly, I can't tell you how recent that was for the Netherlands. Mm. Um, I believe it was just in the past two years wow. that it was for Argentina. That is really surprising. Or that is really Not interesting. About they did. I won't, I mean, that sounds it, correlated to me. <laughs> I, I see a, a wonderful trend here. I just wanted to bring it up, and I don't know if it came up yet earlier today or not. Well, thank you so much. I didn't hear about that. It, it does seem like um, people are really mad in the Netherlands, like farmers. There were huge protests of farmers. Yeah. Um, I can't even remember what it was about, but they wanted to regulate people's farms. Do you remember? Yeah, didn't they want to like kill all the animals, like all the livestock? I think that was a livestock. Ban. I can't remember. Well, that wasn't their official reason. Their official reason is that they were complying with uh, carbon. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Rules. Yeah. They're they're trying to comply with the carbon rules and kill off livestock. Yeah. That's terrible. It's, it's just terrible. like ridiculous to say that like cows are bad for the environment. It's just like okay, it it's doesn't a joke. Even, even if it was true, it doesn't justify killing cows. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're gonna kill them anyways, right? But to yeah, waste, but it's like to we yeah, people's they, property like. Yeah, yeah. Your property and stuff like well, that's the take, thing. It's like do if you're whatever a, they're gonna do to them. Yeah, like if it's your if you're a farmer, you deserve to like choose when you're going to harvest your livestock and what you know? to do with it instead of just killing it and yeah, giving it to the government or whatever. And plus, they might weird. not be killing all their cows. Some of them could be dairy cows that aren't going to get eaten. Yeah. Anything else, well, Creighton? Regardless, the, the point of view is is that really isn't about the cows themselves. It's about the idea that the Dutch people do not have the right to earn themselves a living yeah in mm. any traditional way and it, it's surprising uh, usually things like that happen and then the st- states you're talking about whether it's california or a state in you know the eu they do something really terrible that um is like more and more tyranny and like going it seems more left-wing and then usually it just seems like oh they just keep voting in the same terrible people over and over again but I guess if you take away their electronic voting machines, that doesn't happen. Now, does it? Maybe not. I don't know what it's going to take to open borders. Um, I I think it has to change. People have to change. People have to realize that these arbitrary geographical lines on a a map aren't going to make a difference. And I think the conservative people especially need to realize that, you know, open borders aren't the problem. The welfare system Controlled by the parasitic yeah. ruling class is the problem. If you're so concerned about open borders because someone's going to steal your gerb or whatever, then but you keep voting in um, and you know supporting people that claim to be GOP or whatever. Yeah, but they're, really, they're still they're in just, your jobs regardless. They're just yeah. getting the state bigger and bigger and making more welfare. It never um, you know scales down, and then you're probably part of the problem. And the other thing is just listening to all this stupid conspiracy crap that they hear. There are always stories that people will bring up that are like 10 hundred million 
um, illegals from the most dangerous city in Honduras are on their way up here right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like and so stupid. It's I know, it's true. so much fear-mongering. And, and I'm not going to lie, this is going to be mean. Normally, normally I try not to be too explicitly mean. But whenever I see someone post on Twitter or Facebook that's just like complete like anti-immigrant pop- propaganda, like, oh, our borders, blah, blah, blah. I lose so much yeah. respect for them, especially if yeah. they're like a, so like, like a libertarian-leaning person. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I lose so much respect for them. Like, you are seriously buying this crap. You could have posted anything on Twitter. You could be focusing your energy and your attention on anything, and you, th- you're focusing it on this fear-mongering garbage. Like, listen to this crap. Ian and I went to this. Um, it was a Republican group in New Hampshire that were running a We Want to Secede from the Union petition signing party. Yeah. So Ian and I went to go see what it was all about. And I figured it would be some crap like this. But Ian was like, we should go see anyway. And we went. And there was this one lady he was interviewing. He likes to interview people that are in favor of secession. They don't have to be a libertarian. But this lady wasn't. But um, she said a lot of good stuff. And then right at the end, Ian asked, so what is the most important issue to you? Like, what is the most egregious thing the federal government has done in New Hampshire that makes you think we should leave? And she said, the illegal immigrants, there are some in, in my town. In New Hampshire? Town. Yeah, right. Like that's wow. In New Hampshire. <laughs> oh, are they Canadian? Yeah, right. Like, like I mean, like, I hear Spanish sometimes. We couldn't sometimes get and, any like, further away from Mexico unless we were in Maine. Yeah. Yeah. And or Alaska. Just, it's yeah. just stupid, like, that it's some kind of problem. Like, there's not, like, a bunch of um, people who are illegal aliens, quote-unquote, from Mexico, and then they're killing people in no, New No, literally, I'm going to tell you right now. She this... said she saw some in her town. Oh, she saw some? Did she know they were illegal? Literally, <laughs> right. this woman Did was she racist. she papers? Yeah. yeah, she was just she racist. She saw a Hispanic person and was like, the illegals! How else How else would a Hispanic person get to the United States? <laughs> yeah. Are you ridiculous. kidding me? Yeah, yeah like, yeah, there are Hispanic oh people. God. I know you live in New Hampshire and you don't see very many people of any sort of anything else besides white but like i don't know what her race was she actually wasn't white but it yeah. was just freaking weird like, she like how do you American. know they're illegal yeah like yeah, how, how do you does know? She know they're legal she said she saw some and I it's saw just like, some you know, i could I, just tell we're like, they had an accent just like the <laughs> idea that that is the most egregious yeah right use issue in the united states and that's why i was like i didn't want to go to this event to begin with and i forgot my kratom it was like, bonnie's the like we ever. have to go no. Oh, leave. No, I, yeah, leave. Yeah, sorry. Leave I should have been more uh I should have been more clear. Ian yeah. was like we have to go. Um he was uh, he's always dragging me to things like that anyway. But it's fun. I, I I get to ride in the car with him or whatever. Moving on. Oh yeah, we have more to this article about homeschooling. Yeah, so um so yeah, we were talking about the increase in homeschooling. It seems like it's anywhere from 50 to over 100%. Um the article also says that in Brooklyn, homeschooling in the borough's school districts saw increases that ranged from anywhere from 197% in New York. Yeah, in Brooklyn specifically. Whoa. That's crazy. From uh, 197% to 492%. Though the total number number of homeschoolers still remained under a thousand students per district, 
Hmm. Um, but like percentage wise, that's it's pretty high. It's just so um, small before. Yeah. So the growth has helped transform homeschooling into a racially and ideologically diverse movement. So like previously you thought like, oh, if you're homeschooling, either you're like some sort of religious freak. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be like maybe like a rich white person. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's kind of becoming more accessible, you know, with the Internet. I mean, you can literally homeschool your kids with Internet programs. A lot of them are free. Um, I follow this woman. Um, she has an awesome podcast about unschooling. Um, I wish I could think of, think of what it was called, but she is a black woman from a suburb in Texas, and that's what she kind of tries to break down some of these stereotypes. Hmm. She's like, no, like, yeah, black families and Hispanic families and, you know, like families of other, you know, like races and cultures absolutely can homeschool uh, which it seems like ridiculous to me i'm like of course you don't have to be like a rich white person to homeschool but like a lot of people just have these common misconceptions right so um yeah or just like they feel like oh it's not normal so my kids won't be normal like the other kids that look like them so yeah like, like it's not culturally acceptable right so if you're so that's in a great thing she's yeah. doing to like yeah absolutely like, i even have seen people who their whole like instagram their whole advocacy for their personality that they put on Instagram is I'm black and I go hiking. And when I first started seeing that, I was like, what does that even mean? And that's a, a little interesting. I'm black yeah. and I go, who cares? But, but that's well, the thing because like that's, that's like a saying. white person thing. It's like I'm black that's and I, they, I go jogging. You know what I mean? Like that is such like a white person suburban mom thing, right? I think it only takes like a few hours to teach a child how to read. Like I, I think... um Oh, wait, it takes 30 hours to teach a child how to read. Hmm. And again, I don't know. And that's like at three or four years old. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be at the the reading level of a four-year-old. But just to teach someone to read, it takes 30 hours. Yeah, but once they're that, like that's, older, that's, but that's like okay, so yeah, and you're like right, so child children are you know it's easier, yeah, it's easier to teach them things, right? So so let's say it's going to take me 30 hours to teach my four-year-old how to read. In a one-on-one setting. So whether mm-hmm. it's homeschooling or with a tutor, whatever. Um, but if you... I, I, I'm trying to remember like how long it took me to read when I was in public school. Mm-hmm. First of all, I don't think I was reading at four years old quite yet. I mean, a very basic. But basically what it only takes 30 hours to do in a one-on-one setting, when you have like two teachers for like 40 kids, that's going to take years to get the child at that same level, you know what I mean? Yeah, I actually remember learning to read. I I just remember so much about my childhood, and I remember that when we had just moved to Kansas when I was a kid. So I was uh, four years old. I was asking my mom. We had all these boxes everywhere in the house, I, and I had a marker. And I was like, "How do I spell my name?" And she was telling me. So I already knew letters, but she was telling me how to spell my name. So I definitely knew letters at that point, and I was obviously how old were you? Said? Stuff. I was four years old when we moved. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, wait. No, I was five when we left. I think I was three. I think it was three. But either way, I I remember that's the first thing I ever wrote was my name. Probably mm-hmm. like you know putting something backwards. But my mom had been showing me letters that yeah, uh, way before then. I think I learned letters stuff like that in kindergarten. Hmm. I think, and that, how old are you at that point? Like I guess five. four, maybe. Five. I think it five. five I think you went in. Okay, and then six going on seven is first grade. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. So I already what I was two years behind you at mm. least. It, that's just when my mom was telling me what letter spelled my name. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I could read and write at that point. Yeah, but like, maybe I could. Taught, maybe I could spell my name in in preschool. I think I wrote wrote my name in preschool. And she had you know like um 
these things all over the house that were little charts that uh, showed you the alphabet and stuff. And I was just so interested in that. And then I was wanting to know how to spell more things because it was so fun to spell my name. So yeah. it's like, it, it's not even hard to teach a kid well, to and I These think, people are lazy. So so that's the thing too. Like children are very naturally curious. Like they want to learn. Um, and, you know, I read a lot of homeschooling books and stuff like that. And just listening to like the, how a homeschooling child's mind works, like they're they're so interesting. They're like, I'm gonna write a research project on the guitar or mm. like on astronauts, and it's mm. like they're so um excited to do their schoolwork because mm. it's self directed. And then I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, I am so jaded from my awful traumatic experience in public school that I would never like even now as an adult, I would never like do a research paper for fall. Like I would never, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'm going to get my third PhD. And they're like, I just love to learn. I love going to school. I love doing all this stuff. But I'm so jaded from my own poor experience that it's like, I would never, like to me, that would never be fun. Mm -hmm. But maybe if I was homeschooled and I was able to do those things in a less traumatic way where it was guided by me and I was learning about things that I was interested in, um, maybe I would I would be different. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to know, but just just basing on like stories in in the books I'm reading based off of like my own personal experience. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think suck the most about people putting their kids in public school is they don't care that it will literally traumatize them. I'm going to move on to this story that Riley brought in from. Well, I don't know where it's from. I was trying to find it. Dailymail.com about the LDS Church, the Latter Church of the Latter Jesus the Christ. The Church of, of Jesus Christ. Of La- it's a the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day. It's a mouthful. <laughs> Latter Day Saints. Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. It's a mouthful. Yep, Definitely. it's the Mormons. Yeah, the that's Mormon how Church. Know it. I don't know why it has two names. Do you? Oh, is that? So I didn't know those were like synonymous. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. So the Mormon Church. The Mormon is a nickname for the church because of the Book of Mormon that Joseph Smith allegedly translated. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Similar organizations. Now, there are fundamentalist groups like the Kingston Group in Salt Lake area and the fundamentalist group led by Warren Jeffs that also call themselves Mormons. And they say the mainstream Mormon church is all apostate. So, you know, it's it's interesting when you start delving into the world of Mormonism. Hmm. All kinds of different sects call the other sects heretical and apostate. Yeah. Well, this from DailyMail.com says, Mormon leaders accused of covering up a decades-long epidemic of sexual abuse and incest that rivals scandals in Catholic Church. Victims say perpetuators are protected, but the abused are forced to forgive their attackers. Yikes. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really bad. So, you know, growing up Mormon... I was not aware of all the sexual abuse things going on. Um, I I was also ho- hoping that you know safeguards would be in place, that children and things be and others would be protected from church leaders abusing people. So, in a local congregation, which is called a ward, you have what's called a bishop, and the bishop is usually a man who. Isn't it mid middle ages, forties, fifties? Sometimes, I mean, the youngest bishop I've heard of being called as a bishop or whatever was twenty nine. But they're generally middle aged people, and they're generally interviewing people about sexual stuff that they've supposedly done. For example, they'd be 
interviewing teenagers about their sex lives or, or whether they're self-stimulating or whatever. Hmm. And, you know, some people are really opposed to that. But these bishops are also in places where they can abuse people. And you know, the church does have a hotline where, that you can call, not the members, but the bishops can call and say, hey, this abuse happened. What do I do about it? And the the hotline doesn't go to an abuse advocacy place. It goes to Kirk and McConkie, which is a a law firm that the church hired and they can say, Oh, well you don't need to report it because you're not in a mandatory reporting area for abuse. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's insane. It's ridiculous how the abuse of power goes from the bottom all the way to the top because yeah. in the in the LDS church, the main leaders are what's called the first presidency. So you have the president of the church where the where the prophet, which is Russell Nelson and his two counselors then you have the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, which is the second line of leadership. And I'm assuming that, you know, these people are not pure as a driven snow. They've had mm. to get into that position by, you know, being wealthy or, you know, tugging on the right heartstrings or whatever and getting to these positions of power by playing the church game. Right. And I find it really interesting that says it rivals the scandals in the Catholic Church because people, it's mainstream. People know that lots of terrible child abuse has happened in the Catholic church. And I never even really think about that type of thing involved with the Mormon church. And I lived in Utah for a while. I haven't thought about it either until all these stories started coming out. And I was like, Oh no, this is bad. This is really bad. It says Mormon leaders are covering up an epidemic of sexual abuse that rivals scandals exposed within the Catholic church. Victims have alleged to dailymail.com. The Utah-based religion has repeatedly protected perpetuators and punished those who speak out in a bid to protect its reputation at all costs, it is claimed. Victims believe abuse is rampant, um, with Mormon families said to be suffering extremely high rates of incest. Young girls subjected to horrific abuse say that they are told to forgive their assailants and discouraged from reporting the to the police. Now, I'm all about forgiveness, but telling someone for to give, no. Yeah. You, they need to do that on their own terms and their own yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and especially to... with like childhood abuse, it's like they there's so much healing that needs oh, to happen yeah, before forgiveness can be given. And it's Sometimes... one thing if it's like, oh, this is going to be good for you to just forgive them and move on. It's another thing to be doing it to protect the abuser. Yeah. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.